Hi, welcome to Living in a Material World, and I'm your host, David Prada. Today's guest is the founder of Hero, the mighty brand that started with the Mighty Patch. Welcome to our show, Ju. Thanks for having me, David. I'm so excited to talk with you. I am too. I was so fortunate that we were introduced by like a mutual acquaintance. So we first met at a coffee shop in Paris, a very romantic way to meet for the first time. I remember we were talking about doing a podcast together. So yeah, yeah. this is like a year in the making or something. <laughs> totally a year in the making. And I just love it because I am a big fan of the brand that you've created. But I also love because I suffered from acne for many years. So at 45, turning 46, I still have those moments where I feel it coming. And your patches always have helped me. So I am so thankful that you created such a great brand. But before creating such a great brand, what were you doing before all this happened? Oh, gosh, I am a reformed corporate person. So <laughs> I got my MBA at Columbia. And actually, I started out in brand management. So I was really fascinated by marketing. And back then, I mean, this was like 2008-ish or so, the places that you went to be trained as sort of a classic marketer were these CPG companies like... Procter & Gamble or Clorox, or I went to Kraft Foods Mondelez. So I started out as a in brand management as an associate brand manager. I worked on the planters business, like planters peanuts. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, I went to American Express because, you know, back then I just felt like CPG, because they never owned the consumer, they always sold through a retailer, that direct connection was missing. So I went to American Express, spent some time there because there you actually own the relationship with, in that case, it would be a card member. And then I got recruited by Samsung to go to Korea for two years. So I went there. I thought it was sort of a fun once in a lifetime opportunity. So I went there and I worked in marketing in an e-commerce unit. And while I was living there, I lived and understood this whole concept of K-beauty I just saw all these people walking around with these patches on their faces, which I later found out were acne patches, and was amazed at how good they were and wanted to bring them to more people. So that's sort of like the evolution of how I got to be at Hero Cosmetics. So what year was that that you were living in Korea? 2012 to 2014. Wow, incredible. So just a few years before you started your brand. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. I've always wanted to go to Seoul because I'm fascinated by everything. From <gasps> Have the you department not store. been? No, I'm going oh soon though. It's on my list oh, of like really going. I'm going to try to go probably right during like, you know, maybe the holiday time. I'm going to try to plan to go after the holidays just because I'm dying to go. You would love it. I mean, it's such a trend forward, fascinating place. And I always love going and checking out like the stores and the trends. And I love to see what people are wearing because it's a very, I mean, that's where trends get made. So absolutely, you need to go. I'm so excited because it's just like it's on my list of my bucket list for sure. And I've always wanted to check out like the Hyundai department store. You're going to have to give me a list of other stores to go while I'm there. Yeah. So then after you left Samsung, did you move back to the States or what was the plan after that? Yeah, I moved back to the States. I actually tried to start what is now Hero by myself. So this was around like 2014. Yeah, while I was still living in Korea, I was working on it. So I sourced out of the manufacturer. I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I actually stopped because I got really intimidated by 
anyone who's like a solo founder out there, like big props to you because I, when I was trying to do it by myself, I got really intimidated by just the resources, the time, the money, all that. And so I actually ended up just taking a job. So I took a regular job, but this idea was still like in my mind and I really felt like someone needed to do it. And then the way that Hero started is I was having dinner with a friend and I told them, hey, I have this idea. Someone needs to bring this acne patch concept to the U.S. I think it would do really well. And sort of on a whim, he said, hey, if you want to do it, I'll do it with you. He roped in his brother and then suddenly we were three. Like for us, I think having that co-founding team, or at least for me, it helped enormously because otherwise it's a lot of work. Yeah, I've launched many brands and I've had a team with me. And so I don't think I would ever launch my own brand unless I had the right partners for the ride. I highly recommend that too. Like it was just much easier that everyone stays in their lane and does what they're really good at. <laughs> so, Also, if you don't have other people, it's kind of lonely because it's such a unique experience. And once you have employees or other team members, you can't whine and complain to them because you're the leader that they look up to. And so who else do you have to confide in except your co-founders or other fellow founders? So true. What year was that that you met your co-founders and your partners in Hero? Well, I had met them probably 2016 or something like that, 2015 maybe. And we didn't start Hero until 2017. But the way that we met, they had a digital agency and I was actually their client. So it was good because we had experience working together and then we became friends. So I usually don't recommend people work with people where they've never had a working history before because I've seen a lot of co-founder relationships go bad. I don't know if you have. Oh, of course I have. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm always there to pick up the, all the pieces that fall. <laughs> I'm always like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I know. So the good thing about us is that, yeah, we had the experience working together. And it's great because they're brothers. So I'm sure they know how to like work with each other for so many years. So it's, it's perfect. I love this. What a great team. Yeah. So did it just start with your the first patch? What were the first products that you launched in the collection in 2017? We had one product, one channel, and it was the Mighty Patch Original. And we put it on Amazon. We put it on Amazon because I already knew people were looking for this type of product on Amazon. And we were bootstrapped. So, you know, we didn't raise like big fancy VC dollars or anything like that. So we had to keep really lean and smart. And for us, Amazon just made so much sense because the demand was already there. It's pretty affordable in terms of getting up and running because you don't have to like build a website and hire a designer. You just put up your product page, you send your inventory, and then you're pretty good to go. In terms of acquiring potential consumers, the idea was where else are you going to get access to potentially hundreds of millions of consumers because they're Amazon consumers. And so it was just easiest, fastest, and quickest to really get up and running on Amazon. So we launched with OneSkew. I love that. And that first year when you launched on Amazon, were your sales gangbusters right away? How did it... Because you're fairly like new brand that launched in 2017. It's like five years and you've done so much and you're like such a huge brand so quickly. So kudos to you and your team. Like whatever you did was just genius. I'm excited to hear how that came about. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, an evolution and a journey for sure. But I mean, Amazon was great because 
again, really efficient as a channel. And back then, like, it was sort of controversial because a lot of people had the point of view that you don't build brands on Amazon. Amazon's just a place where you go for like cheap products. But I think, you know, over time, we've proved people wrong that Amazon is a channel where you can build a real business and a real brand. So anyways, it started out without one product. We had a MOQ, an initial order of 10,000 units. And I remember when we launched, I was like, how long is it going to take us to sell through 10,000 units? That's a lot of units. But it took us three months. No way. So (laughs) it was pretty fast. And I remember one of our first press articles was in Into the Gloss. And the article was all about pimple patches. It featured us and our sales. I remember checking our Amazon sales and it just like spiked. And it spiked for like three to five days and it started coming down. And so when I saw that, I said, okay, we got to double down on press because I saw the power of press back then. And so just started pitching more press outlets. We were featured in places like BuzzFeed and Business Insider. And those channels really drove a lot back then, I remember. Yeah, then we went into retail. I always knew that this brand needed to be an omnichannel brand because when you break out, sometimes two-day prime shipping isn't good enough. You need to go to a store the same day and pick up a product. And so I started pitching retailers. But we got Anthropology for our first. What a great one. So did you go just online or was it also in store? So the buyer, she said she wanted to do an 80 store test. Was it Elizabeth? No. Lara? Oh my gosh. Lara, yes. Yeah, Lara, yeah. I love yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, She's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, I have to give her so much credit because she was the first buyer to really take a chance on us. She is a smart buyer, I've got to say. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> so she said, I'll give you an 80 store test. So we did an 80 store test. And then within a week, she emailed me. She said, hey, your sales are really, really strong. I'm going to launch you in all our stores. So I think it was like 250 stores or something like that. And yeah, that really like set the stage for our path into more retail. And so when you launched, was it the same price point as now or was it still $12.99 for the OG? Always. Yep. We never changed our pricing. You never change. It's such great pricing. I don't remember where I bought it. It may have been an anthropology because we sell to anthropology for years. And so I remember buying it on on a trip because, you know, when you travel a lot for work, your skin just like hates you. Yeah. And I just put it in my dop kit. And actually, when I met you, I didn't put both together until after I left. After we spoke, I was like, that's the patch I was using. <laughs> but for all, yeah. I have it in my dop kit. It's like my emergency like travel kit yeah, where all exactly. my little tricks are in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So great. So after Anthro, was your phone just like ringing, like just an email popping up for other retailers that wanted to carry the brand as well? It started in 2018. So the timeline, we launched September of 2017 on Amazon Then we were in Anthropology 80 Doors January of 2018 and then went into the rest of the stores soon thereafter. And then I really started pushing press, like it was like PR, that's going to be our strategy. And so actually, yeah, as we started getting more press, I started getting more emails from retailers asking to carry our products. Maybe this is something that you do for your brands too, but I always tell people I'm a big fan of building the demand. And then the retailers come because people ask me, oh, how do you get into retail? How do you get into retail? And so for me and Hira, what was really successful was really 
being in the press, being on social, showing that people were talking about this product and this brand, you know, wanted this product and brand. And then after that, the retailers were pitching me, actually. And so, (laughs) yeah. And even today, luckily, we're still in that situation. And we, you know, my salesperson, she's very lucky because she gets to be in the privileged position. That's the dream sales job. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, no, no. Not now. We're busy, you know. Maybe next year. That sort of good job. Yeah, I'll put you on my list of who to call yeah. in 2023. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yep. That's amazing. I am actually that quote I'm going to keep forever and like put your name to it. Building the demand and then they come. I love that. It's actually, especially in the world we live in today, I think it's so genius because a lot of brands still think that It's going after business development, going after them, but it's doing both actually. And when you build that demand on your end with press, social media, and then amazing product, they'll definitely come and look how they came for you. So after Anthro, who was your next big retailer? Oh gosh, who was it? I remember Goop. So that year, a lot of specialty retailers like Goop, Neiman Marcus. I remember being really surprised by Neiman Marcus because I never thought of ourselves as a more like premium prestige brand. But 2018, yeah, Neiman's had the whole like area and so did Barney's had a whole mask area. So that became a big thing in 2000. And Anthro was the first to start it actually. They had a whole like wall of fun little masks. And then Barney's and Neiman's, everybody followed because they wanted people to grab and go. Totally. They had so many customers coming in and they just would leave. They just went in to check out the store. But then that area was very an easy price point for people to just test out some yumminess. And they fell in love with the category. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I feel like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, I feel like the lines between, let's say, luxury and non-luxury were a lot more firm. So, you know, retailers like a Barney's or a Neiman Marcus, if you sold, I don't know, we were on Amazon at the time. I'm sure there was a point where if they saw you on Amazon, they'd be like, no, this is not prestige enough for us. But it's changing. I think it's blurring. And you're right. They see people wanting really amazing products at all sorts of price points. And that's sort of what's important. So when after the original Mighty Patch, like what did you launch next? What were the next few SKUs to build your brand? Well, here's a fun story. After the success of the Mighty Patch, I immediately wanted to do like a wash off face mask for acneic skin. And I was really looking into this, something along the lines of like the Aztec Healing Clay product, which was really popular back then. But actually, I had a coffee chat with someone in the investment community, and I told her about how I wanted to do this wash off face mask. And she said, No, do not do that. You should stick with patches. Do them in every size, every shape, for every need. You should just dominate this category. And I was like, she's right. And so we shelved that. And then we did Mighty Patch Invisible Plus, which is really, really thin and perfect for daytime. It's very discreet. Then we came out with Mighty Patch Surface, which is larger strips for like your forehead or body. Then we came out with a variety pack. We took her advice, like really like shapes and need states. We just came out with different patch products. And then when did you start launching like all the other, like your bombs and stuff? When did that come into the mix? Was that later on? That was 2020. So we didn't do those until about 2020. And really last year, we launched most of them last year, like the cleanser, toner, moisturizer, the body line. We have our SPF product, which people love that product. 
and the fork shield, yeah, the mist and the spray, which were actually inspired by Masni when I was, you know, we were all like breaking out because of these masks that we had to wear for like two years. <laughs> totally. I had like the weirdest stuff happening on the tip of my nose and all around my upper lip. And I was like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So yeah, I still wear my mask on the plane, but like I always have like a little wipe or something that like clean everything off. Now tell me, when did you launch into like the bigger retailers like Target? Because I know that's such a big account for you guys. What year was that? That was July of 2019. And we launched with one product there too, because, you know, like traditionally in our world, like people are usually, when you're in store, you need to have a nice brand statement. So usually you need like a nice brand block and you want minimum like five SKUs or something like that to really make a statement. And so our issue was we didn't have that many SKUs. It was a new product category. The buyer didn't really know what to do with us or where to put us in store. And so the compromise was we'll try one product and we'll put it in the mini section, which, you know, is kind of like what the anthropologies and all these retailers have is a kind of a discovery area. So we basically created a product specific to them for the mini section. And actually that SKU that year became a multi-million dollar SKU just in six months. So that's when we definitely knew we were onto something. Yes. How often does one SKU in six months make you well into the seven figures? Like, I love that because that little area is still to this day because I'm a Target customer as well. This is what I love about Target because they really have such a broad audience from like, from the one percentile to like the middle class, like everyone shops there, you know, everyone shops there. Like I know all of my friends shop there for their kids and for all their needs. And so even when I go to the one here in LA, I see celebrities shopping in there. When I travel, go to that area because I love little things that are so perfect. Even if I don't have something amongst the brands I work with, I always pick up little things for my, for my travel dop kit because they have the best brands there. Was it Jason, the buyer? Was that your buyer there? Was it Jason? No. Our buyer was Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, it was Jessica. She moved on. And then we had a buyer, Kevin. Kevin. And then he moved on. And then we have a new buyer, Paula. Oh, I loved Kevin. Yeah, I know. Kevin's awesome. I was trying to figure out where he went because like, we were talking to him. I was like, where did Kevin go? He's in dry goods. Dry goods. Dry goods, like cereal and... Oh, no way. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Granola? Yeah, I think so. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I'm going to have to look at that assortment. I want to see what he's buying. I'm going to go over there and check it out. And so what are you the works now? Now that your brand is so established and you have so many... Because like now you have... All these like areas at Target, I've walked into some that you have a whole like display unit and they're so beautiful. How did you feel when you walked into Target and you have this whole area just for your brand? I was so proud because it's kind of like a I made it moment, you know, like going from that one skew and then now they gave us this whole end cap because that real estate is really, really valuable and they do not give it to everybody. So what year was the first end cap launched into Target? Was it like just soon after? This year. This year. <gasps> wow. Yeah. The Feb of this year, 2022, was when we had our first fully branded end cap. Congratulations. That is such a huge accomplishment. Yeah. It's such a great brand statement, great for marketing and more discoverability of the brand. And what are we working on now? So yeah, my VP of sales, she always jokes that her mission in life is to have people trip over us at Target, for example. So 
That means like really moving around the store into all sorts of different places. So we're in the mini section and then we have our own brand block and premium skincare. And then we're going to get a little acne kit placed in the acne section. And then we have a whole moment in check lane that's coming up. And then we want to be in trial and travel. So now it's really about once you're in the store, it's about moving around the store and just having as many moments as possible. And after launching in such a big retailer like Target, did you still continue working with your other retailers that you started with or did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we're still in all the like Anthropologies, Urban Outfitters. Yeah, we're still at Goop, still everywhere. I love that. That's also really hard to do. So that's amazing that you can still continue to have all the OGs. And so in globally, what has been the strategy for your global presence? Where have you guys... Since I know you're based in Paris personally, where can like the consumer find you when they're traveling abroad? Well, we have really limited global distribution. So we sell on Amazon Canada. We sell at Shoppers Drug Mart, but online in Canada. But the next step, what we're prepping for is really a bigger launch into Canada. Then we'll probably tackle the UK. You know, both countries, it's easier because they're predominantly English-speaking countries. Maybe after that, Western Europe. So yeah, hopefully we'll make it to France and other parts of Western Europe. And then looking at South America and also Asia. Amazing. Yeah, China, Korea, Japan. I think those will be key markets. When you were naming your brand, how hard was it to like, was it taken or when you found that domain for Hero? Because it's such a genius name for a brand. I know. Going back to like that original, like, wow, I know. just the name alone is like, I know. I love it. So how did that happen? I don't know if you saw in the news, but something like Ohio State University trademarked the, the? <laughs> so like T-H-E. So it's kind of like that, right? Like, yeah, people are like, how did you trademark hero? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to the name, the idea of the name really came from the insight that acne is a really emotional category and normally a lot of people have negative emotions, right? Like when you break out, you kind of freak out, you feel bad about yourself, you get depressed. When people have really bad skin, there's a lot of sort of mental health issues that are associated. So I wanted our name to be really like positive and emotive and something kind of inspiring, I guess. And so Hero, the co-founder came up with it. I thought it was brilliant. And then immediately what you have to do is you have to see if the domain is available and also if the trademark is available. And so we came up with Hero Cosmetics and I don't know, we were just really lucky. It was available on both fronts. So awesome. Yeah. No, because who doesn't want to be a hero? Everybody wants to be a hero. Thinking hero, you're like, I'm a winner. I'm winning when I'm a hero, you know? So it's like, I just love it. I think it also feels like it makes you smile when you think of it. You know, and so it's just like that emotional kind of, even if you walk by your products and you don't pick them up yet, the consumer will come back and eventually pick it up because they, they want it more. Yeah. For us, it's been great for community building too. Like we refer to everyone as like our heroes. So anyone who joins the hero team, we refer to them as heroes, like our larger community too. So that's been nice. And so is there anything that you do like more exclusive on your own site versus all the retailers? Is there certain SKUs you just keep on the herocosmetics.com page versus what the retailer has? Or is it just everything is found also at Target or? We used to have that strategy where we had very select SKUs or exclusive SKUs on D2C compared to other channels. And then we actually changed our strategy because now our thinking is 
we don't care where you buy our products, just buy our products. So whether it's on D2C or Amazon or Target or Anthropology, like it doesn't really matter. But what we do do is we launch all our innovation first on D2C. So it gives D2C sort of its own moment. It gives us the data and insight to see what's working, what's not working, what people think, get reviews. And then we do things like we offer swag, like special swag as a gift with purchase, special, yeah, dop kits or sweatshirts or things like that, just to give D2C some kind of uniqueness compared to shopping just at like a, you know, retailer. I love your swag. I love what you guys have done also on social media and even like for Pride Month. So like I always pay attention to all those kind of things because it's just like not many brands remember that. And so you guys really kind of remember every moment and don't miss it, which is really great. And I can see why the community is always there present with you guys. Yeah. I love that. And so what else are you guys working on before? Like, I know we have a limited time left, but I have a few more questions. So I would love to know in your personal world. I know that you're a mom. And so like... Oh, no. No kids. You're not yet? No kids yet? Yeah, no kids. Oh, God. So Hero is your baby. Hero is my baby. Oh, thank God. I was like, how does she do it? Like from Paris to like... What's on the horizon? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) What's on the horizon? A lot more brand building moments. So we're doing a big brand campaign called Hero Humans launching in July. So that's going to be big. So digital activation, influencer activation, out-of-home activation in key markets. So that's going to be super fun. A lot more innovation. So continuing in acne starting to explore beyond acne because, you know, acne is just one type of skin issue and people have all sorts of skin issues. And so the idea is, can Hero truly be a functional skin solutions brand where acne is just one category and we address other categories and become kind of a one-stop brand for any type of skin issue you might have? Yeah. And then international is going to be a big one for us next year. I'm sure everybody is like wanting to know what your next steps are because you've really built such an incredible brand and just a great community. And I love just watching your social media too. You're always traveling. I was like, I wonder where she is at now. (laughs) Yeah. You're always between New York. You're in New York often. Mm -hmm. So is that your home away from home, New York? Yeah, because before Paris, I lived in New York. So... And then my company's based there and I'm usually there a lot. And then if not, yeah, in Paris. And then and then we'll be away in August because we're doing the kind of French summer thing where you're basically away the entire month of August. So what are you doing your month of August away this summer? What is on your travel agenda? Actually, we're going to be in L.A. So it's going to be a week in L.A., then a week in Saint-Jean-de-Luz, which is near Biarritz in France. And then two weeks in Provence. And so, yeah, we're in Provence usually every summer. I love that. So materia means matter in Latin. So I ask all of our guests, what really truly matters in your life, Ju? Oh, what a deep question. What truly matters in my life? I think health, friends and family and community and then purpose. I think having a sense of purpose is also really important. I think that's the most important thing in life, right? Having purpose and having, and I think what you just covered is so the most important for me too. So I love that. I really am going to take away from this is like everyone out there building the demand and then they come is what I take away from this conversation. I just love that so much. And being a brand builder, every time I think of that, I'm going to think of you because that is really going to be helpful for me the way I move forward after this conversation today. 
I wanted to thank you for your time. I'm so glad we had this opportunity. And I thank you so much for being on our show. And I really hope we can connect when you're here in LA or when I'm in Paris again in September. So I really hope to see you soon in person. You're just incredible. You're just, I want everybody out there to just pay attention to what Ju Ru is doing because she's always on the move and she's developed and built the most beautiful brand with her partners. And I also, one last thing for anyone building their brand today, what is your words of advice to them? Oh, goodness. Building a brand. You know what I realized like in our category and, you know, I'm sure you see this all the time. I think focusing on your key differentiation is really, really important because this category, the barriers to entry are low. There are a lot of new brands all the time. Every celebrity and influencer has their own brand. So focusing on what makes your brand special and different is critical. I love that. We have a lot of takeaways here, everyone. So I'm so thankful for this time. And thank you. You're just such an inspiration to all of us out here. And thank you for your time again. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you either in LA or in Paris. Yes, for sure. We'll definitely have to do that. I love the Paris moments. I always have on my list to like reach out. I think last time you may have not been there. You were in LA. I think we missed each other. We were both at different places. (laughs) But have a wonderful summer. I will connect very soon. We will, I'm sure. We'll see each other somewhere. That was really a great episode today. What a fantastic guest. She has really built an inspiring brand with such a demand. And the takeaway for me is, Her quote of the day, building the demand and they will come. Thank you guys. Until next time.